You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. So there is adultery, and then there is the very act of adultery. Um, okay. And this wasn't first base, no. It's just like, I, I forget how many bases there are. How many bases are there now? <laughs> it's like, this is why I didn't want to play keyboard today. <laughs> But this was the very act. But we have removed the man. We've kept him aside. He's probably related to one of us. We've kept him aside. And verse 5, Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. And this wasn't casual stoning. It was punishment and to kill her. What do you say? This they said, teaching or testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. And so when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was alone and the woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those, who are, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? Verse 11, she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. May God bless the reading of his word. Amen. I, I love this piece of scripture. Um, because it does show, it shows such compassion, but it also reflects very much the heart of God. And to show you that Jesus was a bad guy, it's like, he didn't really send, you know, he's just full of action. People sometimes say to me that I'm dramatic, but I, I say to them, if you look at Jesus, Jesus is super dramatic. You know. I mean, he didn't just, they didn't just come to him and say, we're about to kill her. He said, don't kill her because you've all sinned. No, he doesn't do that. He starts to write on the ground. And then he waits a bit, they ask him, ah, Jesus, we're about to stone her. She's about to you know, and then he just, you know, he does all the proper drama. Let me tell the person next to you, be dramatic, be dramatic, <laughs> be dramatic. It's, 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 it's Jesus-like to be dramatic. The next time someone says, no, because he just starts to write on the floor with his finger. You know, just writes a bit, writes a bit, writes a bit. Then the guy said, Jesus, we do have important business here. We're about to kill this woman and go and worship God. Would you tell us what you think? And Jesus, you know, stands up, tells them something, starts to write on the ground again. No look. You know, not, not even glancing at what is happening. Then, you know, after a while, I think you can hear the soundtrack. You just play that soundtrack. Dun, dun. You can hear that soundtrack at the end because, you know, then he looks. <laughs> well, you try. That's home video you're doing for me. But it's okay. It's all right. Let's, let's, let's go with that. Let's go with that. We can talk later, but let's go with that. Okay. And he looks up and says, they're all gone. It says, woman, where, where are those accusers of yours? 
And the woman is in wonder. She cannot really understand what's happening. And she says to him, they have all gone. He says, no one. And Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. I love it. But more than just the drama, I love the compassion. Our contemplation this morning is freedom from condemnation and shame. To condemn um, is to pass as it were, final judgment on a matter and declare something to be officially unfit for use. So if you've lived in Lagos, well, this side of Lagos, you could just buy new things every time, okay? But sometimes, well, when I was growing up, well, not when I was growing up, not that, okay, in the other, so when you grow up in Lagos, sometimes you take your car to, uh, take something in your car, like a tire, you know, like a young man in Lagos, your new car or a car, know, and his tires are bad, so you go to the guy who fixes the tire, and the guy one day, he will tell you, ah, Oga, this one don't condemn. That's the last thing you want to hear, because you kind of know how much it costs, but essentially what he's saying to you, it's that it is of no use anymore. To condemn is to write off, to refuse to use to say it no longer has worth. And when you condemn something, you know, if you condemn a human being, typically uh, a feeling of shame will then arise. Shame is simply a painful feeling of humiliation. That's what the dictionary says. Or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or improper or foolish behavior. I mean, we all know that scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, that says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It says, because the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set us free from the law of sin and death. Let me start by saying this. Look, man without God cannot function properly. They used to say if you went to, what do they call that thing? Uh, when the poor children, they used to say there's a God-shaped hole in the heart of every man. So if you saw it in Sunday school, was it? Sorry? Life without Jesus, it's like a donut. See, my wife went to a very posh school. <laughs> but life without Jesus is like, a, is like a donut. It's very, no, that's not very sweet. That's not what it means. What does it mean? It means there's a hole in the middle, right? I was just testing you, I knew. Okay. <laughs> But man cannot function without God. When you read John chapter 3, we all know John 3.16. It was the one we had to memorize. Do we all know John 3.16, church? No, okay. For God so loved the world that he gave, let's do it together, one to go. For God so loved the world that he gave, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Someone's like, is that where it stopped? I don't know. That's where I know. That's, that's where I know. <laughs> All right. But when you read down to John 3 and then verse 18, um, and I read to your hearing, the Bible says, he who believes in him, this is Jesus continuing to speak, is not condemned. He's speaking about himself. He's saying, anyone who believes in me is not condemned. He says, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 
And so when people talk about hell and heaven, I, I think sometimes what we do not realize is that it's not just future judgment. It's that there is a separation from God which even starts now that just continues into eternity. And so when a man lives apart from God, he's battling with death already. That's what death really is. Someone says, ah, but what of what of the mistakes I made after I got saved? When I had joined the choir, I had sang Onisha Yano with them. Pierre, what about those ones? Is God not just waiting with a list in front? First John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of all, cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Okay. I've got two big thoughts because this for me is, is so important in your Christian walk that if you don't get it right, deal with it. You, it limits your productivity as a Christian. I, I feel, and I've seen in my experience in my life, that sometimes, like Adam and Eve, God is looking for us in place A, but we have located ourselves in place B behind some leaves because of what in our heart, what is in our heart, guilt, and condemnation. Would you tell someone today, God has set you free. God has set you free. So how do I stay in this place where I'm free from condemnation and guilt? First I say, you know, this whole thing about staying in fellowship with Jesus no matter what I say look can we take daily showers in the fountain of God's love can we on a daily basis ensure that we eat at his table share in the redemptive power of his body can we pray every day and let the Holy Spirit quicken our mortal bodies and our consciences? So a, a child of God does not rationalize sin or the mistakes that he has made or makes. He will aspire to serve God better and better on a daily basis. But he must reckon with God's love. But God's love does not condemn yet it does not condone. And that same love constrains us to live our lives for God. Last week I said, look, let nothing ever separate you from the love of God. And somebody said about love of God. Is love of God something? It's, it's basic. It's not basic. It is the foundation upon which 
every other kingdom truth will be built on. Galatians 5, I think 6, says that, talks about faith that walketh through love. When you read 1 Corinthians 13, he begins to explain how that if you have not embraced love, it says even things like your giving, your worship are empty. put in my notes that anything that separates me from the love of God in my heart endangers me. So I said to Christians, would you deal with mistakes, sin, shortcomings, quickly and decisively? Would you, if and when you make a mistake, would you go to God and ask for forgiveness real time? Some people here are still cooking accounts of something they did seven months ago. They are still scheduling a meeting with God. Tell the person next to you, repent, repent. Tell them you're wasting time, repent, repent. I, I think it's even a bit more dangerous when you then take yourself away from God's people. Because there's something about the encouragement that a believer gets in the presence of God in fellowship with other believers. So I say the concept of being rooted and established in God's love is a life skill for a believer. It's a survival tool. It's something that you cannot be called spiritual if you're not rooted and established in God's love. I said it, I think I said it last week when I preached. I'll probably say it every week. There is nobody who can love you like Jesus. Chinedu can buy you a G wagon. It does not come near God's love. Yet when they can turn her hair like this for you, Nats can write poetry and play you Mozart or whatever you're playing for these young girls nowadays. Or young girl. I know you're a good man. It does not come near the love of God. That old hymn says, have you been to Jesus for the cleansing power? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you fully trusting in His grace this hour? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? In the soul-cleansing blood of the Lamb? Are your garments spotless? Are they white as snow? Is your heart free before God? So we were still carrying burdens from 1987, 1997. What happened when you went to Hong Kong? Even the people in Hong Kong have forgotten. The shop, they've closed it. Are you walking daily by the Savior's side? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Do you rest each moment in the crucified? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? He says, will your soul be ready for his presence bright and be washed in the blood of the Lamb? He says, lay aside the garments that are stained with sin and be washed in the blood of the Lamb. So I know that the leaves might have been blown away in the storm. 
but you need to keep the roots in God's love. The Bible says at the center of water. There's a concept called spirit-led thinking. Now try and put this together now. So every time we read Romans 8, and Paul says, for as many as led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. We typically think about Paul saying, when we need to make choices or decisions, let the Holy Ghost lead you. True, but not completely true. So there's the condemnation that comes from being separated from God. There is the condemnation that comes from the voice of Scripture calls him the accuser of the brethren. When we read 1 John chapter 3, we see a different type of condemnation. 1 John 3, and I think it's verse 19 I'm looking for. The Bible says, and by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. It says, for if our heart condemns us. God is greater than our heart and knows all things. He says, beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. So there is also something called self-condemnation. And and I, as we talk about freedom and what God has done for us, what Jesus has done for us, we must deal with this finally. Because sometimes we will battle to prove to ourselves whether or not we deserve the love of God. But you know the love of God cannot be deserved. And that is hard for people who live in Lagos. Because, people, I mean, you're used to people not being, just waking up on Monday morning and just not being friendly. In fact, people are suspicious. You know, if, you, if you're driving on the road on Monday, you just smile, showing love to someone. They can just cross you. Like, why are you smiling at me? Why? Well, no, why are you smiling at me? Just, just sharing the love of God. People are just, someone just happy, just dancing in their car. People just get upset. So people think, oh no, I must deserve the love of God. In fact, sometimes we have sufficient evidence that we do not deserve God's love. But you see, I say about God's love that sometimes our head hears it, but our heart cannot understand it. So Paul will begin to say in Ephesians chapter 3 about the love of God that passes human understanding. It's not um, for lack of give me love. No, 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 no. Child's play. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Mm-mm. No, 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 no. It's not that type. It's not that type. I, I know you think, and when you see, when you see trauma, your heart, that something is about, your heart wants to come out. It's just beating, boom, boom. Mm-mm. Because I tr- come back in one year. It's not a child man who's beating your heart. It's now Nene. And I'm just like, when she prays, my God, I have a headache. I can't even. Just relax, relax. 
that love is fleeting. I, I mean, you've all fallen in love before. In GS3, when you touch, you will die if Kole did not look at you lovingly anymore. But here you are. <laughs> Sometimes our head hears God loves me, but our hearts cannot process it. So in 1 John, he says, there is a possibility that a man's heart can condemn him. Ah. He says, but God is greater than our hearts. And so as I prepared for this, you know, God began to impress in my heart that there is a way a believer must let the Holy Spirit teach their hearts to think again. The Bible, when you, know, when you read Paul's writing in Romans 8, he says that the law, when it showed up, it awakened all sorts of desires in me. Because what happened is that your heart began to process how you did not measure up to the requirements of such a holy God. He says, but the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus pronounces for you capacity, not judgment. The Holy Spirit wants to lead the believer in how he thinks about himself in relation to God. You know that the practice of the Christian life is really the practice of being led by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit wants to lead us more than just in our choices, but also in how we gather and analyze information, how the kind of thought patterns we have in our feelings, in our desires. The heart is an amazing vehicle or machine. And it can be programmed. So sometimes I remember in the past, if you would hear the conversation, if people tell me some of the things I've told myself before, ah, no. Even as a pastor, I won't let them go. And so sometimes the conversations that we have with ourselves, where you're telling yourself, you're just a knucklehead. In fact, no, you're not all right at all. People think you're all right too. This is you and yourself having this discussion. And you know, I just keep a straight face. You know this is you I'm talking about. You know. The people in the choir, they think you're okay. But you and I know that you're not going to end properly. And sometimes those conversations stream continuously out of the heart of a believer simply because their heart is still condemning them. In Psalm 51 and verse 8, the message translation, the psalmist says, Tune me into foot-tapping songs. Set these once broken bones to dancing. And so, like in John 8, Jesus doesn't just send the condemnation or the condemners, according to our vocabulary, away. He also starts a conversation with the woman. He says, where are those accusers of yours? Will you help me ask the neighbor, where are your accusers? Where, where are your accusers? Help me ask the person on the other side, has anyone condemned you? Help me ask the person, has anyone condemned you? And the woman replied, no one, Lord. No one. 
to leave one's heart just below the fountain of Jesus' blood. Every part of my heart. To let God love us as Christians inside and outside, past, present, and future. Ah, to be born again in faith. Some people have gotten born again, but we refuse to let go of what someone said you did right when you were seven. Of what your mother said about you. Or what your grandfather, what your neighbor's uncle said or did. Someone said, um, the reason why this happened, um, the reason why that happened, maybe if I didn't do this, maybe if I did that, maybe if I was more this, maybe if I had done this. And so in your heart you carry condemnation and guilt. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation. The Bible says in Psalm, Proverbs 24, it says, For the righteous man may fall seven times. He would rise again. Shame says, I fell short. Jesus was used to being called an illegitimate child. People probably made fun of him. Typing things on social media. Tweeting about him. At Jesus. Do you know your father? <laughs> hash. Illegitimate hash. No father. Whatever. <laughs> Trending. Put things on Instagram. Don't you know that girl? In year one. Ah, no, no. Don't you know her? In, the sin she committed in her year one, even me and my, all my siblings, we've not committed in our entire life. You know her. And shame says I fell short. And you know, the, the thing with Jesus was that not only, you know, this whole issue about his birth, you know, but, you know, so maybe God would have then tried to make it better because where he was then born, the Bible says that when they got to the city, everywhere was busy so they could only find a manger. And I'm sure at that point, Joseph was just telling himself, this Mary is really cost because I don't know. She, she said it was God that said, but at least she would have found a palace somewhere nice. Because you know the manger doesn't smell nice day or, you know it's when we read it, we do all this Christmas carol in December. When you people see the manger, you want to rest there, you want to sleep, you know, they put light, fancy, white, sheep, just bleating in unison, you know, angels flapping their wings. You, manger just looks nice. That's a lie. That's not manger. That's a film trick, as they would say when I was growing up. Because mangers smell. When you go into a manger, you don't want to go there and meditate. You just want to quickly give the thing their food and get out of there. But God brings grace to the very lowest places. It's interesting. So as we talk about freedom this month, I realize that grace, God's grace, walks the streets of Lagos at night trying to speak to the hearts of the young women who are asking and proposing to someone to 
give them money for sex. I realize that God's grace walks down the corridors of the abortion clinics in our cities. Walks down the rooms, the drug rooms, where drugs are sold and used in our city. It walks through, the grace of God walks through the shacks and open air settlements where poverty has taken rule. That God's grace walks through the darkness of a young woman's cloud of depression masked under Brazilian wigs and Mary Kay. God's grace goes back in time to when you thought no one else knew. Goes forward into the future to what you fear might happen. Jesus says to the woman, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Says to the man paralyzed, take up your bed and walk. Says to Lazarus, lose him and let him go. He says to the church, there is therefore now no condemnation. For them who are in Christ Jesus, who allow the Holy Spirit to influence, lead their thinking, their feeling, their desires, and their decisions. The who the Son of Man has set free is free indeed. Our call as Christians is to be totally guilt-free. Consciences alive to God, but totally guilt-free. My prayer this Sunday morning is very simple. But nobody would live here with any burden in their hearts. That's my prayer. So when we pray and worship very quickly. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.